Hello, welcome to Do The Franchise Halloween Special. I'm Jake. And I'm James. And we are here to, uh, on the Halloween night, I'm guessing it's going to come out Halloween night, uh, we're not going to ruin you know, the day that we're recording on. It's actually a really boring uh, 24th of October that we're recording on, isn't it James? <laughs> Spooky 24th of October. Oh god, I'm so scared, the numbers 2 and 4 together. Ah. <laughs> We are due to release this on Halloween, so if you people are listening to this, hopefully it is Halloween, in which case me and James have fucked up and it's the 1st of November, in which case I apologise for that. <laughs> Happy Christmas, everybody! <laughs> yeah, you sent it out on Christmas Day instead. Um, so yeah, this is our first Halloween special. How do you feel, James? Really good, actually. I, I, we've we've obviously we've done the, the Marvel one, but this one actually feels really cool, because there's something quite nostalgic about Halloween films like more so than other so. films in some ways like you have Halloween yeah. films, you have Christmas films, they all have a certain element of, oh I used to watch these as a kid and they're really cool I think so, I think also there's another sense of the other way where it's like, this film I used to love as a kid used to terrify me, I go back and watch it as an adult and it's just a pile of crap you know, <laughs> like when you start to analyse the logistics of how things are made sometimes you go back and watch a film years later and it's <laughs> completely disappointing and you go what was this how was i scared of this a really good example of that right is when i was a child i was really well i say child i would have been about i'd have been about 12 13 so i was a teenager young teenager mm. i i snuck into the cinema after watching a, i can't remember what we went to see we, we was in nottingham and we were watching a film at the at the uh, i think it was at the showcase cinema in nottingham big shout out for the showcase cinema and they're not going to like this if they listen to the podcast. They're not listening. But um, so me, me and my friend, I think it was me and my mate Ash from home. We uh, we we'd, we'd gone to see a movie, and then we that film had finished. And instead of leaving the cinema, we snuck out and we snuck into another film, oh, as you do. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of snuck in, but you know, annoyingly, this film was about halfway through. <laughs> and the film was uh, was signs M Night Shyamalan and um, signs. Oh, yeah. And it was like the bit where the alien walks out on the television, if you remember yeah. that sequence. And it's quite horrible. And it's got like Yaquin Phoenix in a in a some sort of shed or something. And he's all freaked out and everyone's screaming. And it freaked me out as a kid. I was like, what is this film? Is this Bennett? And I guess it's not really supposed to be a horror film. If you watch it, it's kind of just a bit of a freaky uh, film about God, isn't it? Yeah. But And that, it stuck with me for ages. And I went back and watched Signs when I got with my missus. And I said, I, had to, I don't like it. And she's like, what? Are you, you scared? And I was like, no, I'm not scared i just don't really want to i'm not bothered <laughs> i'm not and scared put, you're scared <laughs> yeah exactly and, and then we watched it and i just thought what was i what was that Do you know what i mean like yeah. it's really not there's like about three shots in that movie where you actually see an alien and it's not scary it's dumb and i just thought oh yeah why why was i worried about that and i was like and isn't it funny what kind of sticks with you when you're when you're it young? is and like i've definitely as as i've got older i found like uh, jump scares, shock horror things, less and less scary, and just like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm expecting this because I can hear the building up of the music in the background. Yeah, things like that that used to probably freak me out as a kid because loud noises. Ugh. Um, now <laughs> I find things like uh, films like The Zodiac more scary because yeah, it's real. I totally agree. And 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 mm. I tend to watch those kind of thriller movies rather than 
like horror movies these days. But I've still got a, a pretty warm special place, especially around Halloween, for really yeah. schlocky horror movies that are. We'll find out later that uh, <laughs> sometimes I want to encourage. <laughs> I want to encourage everyone that listens to us to to message us with their favorite pod, uh, with their favorite um, Halloween movie after this. But like, I've got a few honorable mentions which we'll go through later. Um, so just to give a bit of context to this uh, Halloween special, James and I went away with a thought which was going to be we're going to review and talk about our favorite Halloween movies. This is like the Halloween movie that if you had your own cinema and all of your friends and family came round, it would be the film that you would show to your friends and family. It'd be your ultimate favorite film to watch on Halloween. And this doesn't mean it has to be a, a Halloween film mm. or even necessarily a scary film. Uh, which we'll get to later. Um, <laughs> I, but, I may or may not have misinterpreted the message of the idea yeah, behind yeah, this episode. <laughs> yeah, James did not stick to the brief. But this is a film in which I would say is very close to your own heart and something that you would encourage to say, oh yeah, it's Halloween, I've got to watch this on Halloween. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and we asked Brendan, our um, if anyone doesn't know Brendan, Brendan is our Facebook, social media, uh, Instagram guy who does all of our social media and some wonderful posts that Brendan puts out for us to promote the podcast. If Do the um, Franchise was a swan, Brendan is the yeah. legs. Yes, He's he working is. He furiously is. behind the scenes at the moment, doing amazing work. So kudos to Brendan. <laughs> Which bit are you, James? Um, <laughs> I'm probably I'm probably one of those swans that have had an unfortunate end and are just sort of floating along the top. <laughs> one of those swans you see in industrial areas that have got one eye missing. Yeah, they've not had a good life. That's me. Um, so we, we went away and we chose a film each, and Brendan was going to do this with us, um, but he's got other commitments at the moment, and we need to get this out before Halloween. So I we're going to do this for Brendan as a tribute to him, our friend and colleague. Yes. Um, and we're going to do Brendan's first. Brendan went away and came back with what I can only describe as an absolute horror classic movie. Um, I think you'd agree, James. Yes. Um, he chose The Shining, which we've all been and watched since. So the string is we're all going to get a film, watch the film, and then we're all going to talk about it. So me and James are doing the work now. Uh, I went away and I, I got The Shining. I bought it on beautiful um, two-disc extended edition Blu-ray. Uh, me and James took a little trip out to CEX, didn't we? We did indeed. Yeah, that it was, was a good laugh. Yeah, um, um, yeah go yeah, on. So. And, I, and I equally, I hadn't seen this in a little while, so I went out and got it as well. And yeah, it's it's good, isn't it? It is. I I'd kind of forgotten how good it was. Um, I have. Have you got? Have you got something going on in your house, James? It sounds like the the fuzzer on their way to your house. I think that is that not at your place. <laughs> Oh shit! It is. <laughs> being, being that we are recording oh, this, at, sorry, I'll be right down. <laughs> we're recording this at distance. And I, I'm in a leafy, leafy village, and you're in the city yeah. centre. I think it's more likely to be you. <laughs> it, it is, and I don't even have my windows open, so I don't know how close that is. It's really loud. Well, you know, this, right, anyway. this is adding an interesting horror element to our Halloween special. <laughs> it, it is. It's more scary that I'm scared that something's happening downstairs outside my house. Um, anyway, so we, we chose The Shining, and well, Brendan chose it, and we've all watched it and reviewed and we're reviewing it. So, what do you think, James? I, I, yeah, I absolutely adore this film. Yeah, it it really did bring back a lot of like. I think I watched this when I was very, very young. I think I was probably about nine or ten, and I think it was on something like Channel Five late. Yeah, when you're not supposed to be up, and you're watching it on Channel Five with the adverts, and I remember. Because it had adverts, it probably took about four and a half hours to actually get through the picture. Oh, no doubt. Because, I mean, they do. I mean, 
they take the time with building this film, which is excellent. Yeah. But then there, there's the the way the film's separated, you know, with little titles like you, you start yeah. with the interview and things like that. And my favourite bit though, which took me out of the film a little bit, there's sort of like that musical build-up. You can feel a jump scare coming, and when it yeah. comes, it's just a title scene that says Tuesday. <laughs> it just jumps out and it says yeah. Tuesday. I was like, yeah, oh, that's I the scariest that. Tuesday I've ever seen. Um, yeah, <laughs> it really is. I want to just read through the stats really quickly before we get into it. It was made in 1980. Um, it was um, written and made and, and, and directed by the wonderful Stanley Kubrick, mm-hmm. um, one of Kubrick's classic films. And it uh, on IMDb gave it 8.4 out of 10, which actually for IMDb, with a film like The Shining, I thought it was pretty low. Yeah. Um, Rotten Tomatoes have given it uh, an 85% approval. Uh, audience score. I mean, it, it really is one of those films that if you haven't seen it and you're listening to this podcast honestly go and watch it yeah. there's no point even saying mm, is it any good is it a bit apparently it's really old it's a bit boring is it slow just watch it just watch it <laughs> it, it's, it is brilliant and it, it holds up so well even like the the intro sequence yeah. you know, which is obviously filmed out of a helicopter I'm guessing even though now we're we're yeah. quite accustomed to seeing drone shots and it's, it's quite mm-hmm. you know passe almost to have that you know YouTube videos have that kind of shot now because people can buy a drone and send it up in the sky but even now that shot looks incredible because it's just this flowing shot of you know the the car driving to the interview it's it's brilliant it's great this it yeah it is i think it's one of those movies that is all about the spectacle and it really is it's it's like a work of art on its own when you see that shot of the lift in the foyer of the overlook and it opens and all the blood comes out of it and they gark back to that shot several times through the film and it, it one of those shots that you when you look at as a person that studied film and as someone that just appreciates the art of it yeah it's it's beautifully well made it, all of the little shots and sequences all of the long shots where you see jack nicholson walking through one huge room yeah and we don't move we just watch him walk through this massive room and just the scale of it alone yeah i think is impressive to look at yeah because they they really get over this the, the, the maze like quality of the the overlook hotel because it's all mm. done in lots of single long shots isn't it even if they are moving yeah. room to room yeah. there's not there's not all that much cutting so you yeah. you almost don't get to look away you have to keep looking at what's going there because the, the, the camera yeah. doesn't let you look away it's it's very well done this movie was made on a 19 million dollar budget which is ridiculous when you really think about it yeah for how long it, for how well it stands up and how long it stood the test of time as a horror movie um it's unbelievable. Also, I think what's interesting about The Shining is that it's one of those few horror movies that, unlike, it's kind of like when you look at science fiction or, or these comic book movies, which are now out all over the world. They are the few. They are the films that kind of break into the um, the genre of of us like an epic. Yeah, they don't last. You know, we always associate horror with the B movies, um, with cheese. Uh, they're straight to video sequels or they are done for cheap thrills, cheap scares with bad actors. And you look at The Shining and you think, well, it's completely the opposite of that, but it still works. It's, it's, it is a proper classic film yeah. in its own right, but it's within the psychological horror genre. Um, and it really is. And at the end, when he comes through the door, it's just like a slasher film, isn't yeah. it? It doesn't really it just kind of decays into a slasher film. Um, and tonally gets darker and darker throughout the movie as, as uh, Jack Nicholson's character, Jack Torrance, uh, starts to lose his mind but um yeah and I, there's a lot of things in it that i i've still got questions about and i'm guessing it was intentional on kubrick's behalf is yeah. the idea that 
was he there before? He says he has this feeling of deja vu. Uh, we don't know if Jack has been to the hotel before. Uh, and then the, the previous um, caretaker of the hotel went mad and killed his own uh, wife and two girls, which show up in the movie throughout these little psychological dream sequences with their son, Danny. Mm. Um, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It is. Question. Mm. Does Jack Nicholson have it written into every contract that his character has to be called Jack? I thought this. <laughs> Is it just easier for him to act if people are calling him by his real name? <laughs> it's like that bit... What is it in now? Is it... I think it's in Extras with Ricky Gervais where they have... Um, God, who is it now? I think it's Keith Chegwin. They have Keith Chegwin in Extras and Ricky Gervais has... Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't about? know what you're talking and about, but have... I love that this is linking to Keith Chegwin. <laughs> Bear with me, right? There's a bit with Keith Chegwin in Ricky Gervais's extras where Keith Chegwin has to pretend to act in one of Ricky Gervais's like short films or dramas, whatever he's directing in, in the context of the story. Yeah. And Keith Chegwin keeps looking at the camera and he can't act unless they call him Keith because he doesn't understand how to take cues if his name <laughs> is something else. And I'll, I'm going to dig it up and find it for you tomorrow. Brilliant. It's a wonderful comedy sequence where you're like, he goes, they, call, they keep calling me Dave. And he's like, yeah, but you're not called Dave. No, I'm called Keith. And he goes, would it be better if we called you Keith in the movie? And he's like, would you? And he, and it's this brilliant little sequence where they have to refer to him as Keith because otherwise he doesn't understand what's going on. And I just think, imagine if that was the sort of legacy of Jack Nicholson's that's, acting career. That's brilliant because he's Jack in a lot of things, isn't he? It, yeah, he is. That's great. He is. Um, he, yeah, he's Jack in, I think he's Jack in Batman as well, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, I think he, when he... The character before, before he becomes Joker. Yeah. Before pre Joker, he is he's Jack, you know, he's the main so man weird. or whatever the guy calls him. Yeah, it's so weird, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I want to give you a little quick bit of fact here while we're going through Shining. Cool, Danny, Danny um, Torrance, um, also played by an actor called Danny. Uh, his name's Danny Lloyd, American actor. Uh, well, actually, no, sorry, American teacher, uh, former child actor, best known for The Shining. Guess how old Danny is now? <laughs> Go on. He's 47, James. Wow. Right. <laughs> the child is 47 years old. Like, it's one of those things where you go through the cast list and you see this, like, balding middle-aged man and you go, who's that? Because <laughs> <laughs> they the up-to-date kid. picture. For the... Oh, yeah. wow. It's so bizarre. Do you know Shelley Duval, uh, the mother, she is 70 this year. Gosh. And it, yeah, you can't, it's mad, isn't it, to think, because I remember being in other films when I was a child, and you saw these are actors that me and you particularly kind of grew up on seeing on the screen. Yeah. Um, and to kind of see them, they are really old now. This film is old. It's cracking on. It's 1980. And it doesn't feel, and it feels as fresh as ever. Oh, yeah. Watching it on Blu-ray, uh, by the way, definitely recommend getting it on Blu-ray to watch just for the remastered version mm. for the audio track and for the picture quality. Uh, it's beautiful. That's, that's actually uh, something I wanted to bring up. This film mm. gets so much credit for its visuals, mm. but I very rarely see people mention the audio, the sound effects. Mm. There's some bits mm-hmm. in it, like the uh, where, where Danny's riding around on the tricycle and he's going over mm. hardwood, carpet, hardwood, carpet, and the, yeah. the way the sound of the wheels changed, and they must have had the mic really close up or gone back and done foley for that. But that is that 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 was brilliant, and there's there's so many little bits like that where. You, it's almost complete. You could do without it. It didn't need it to be mm. in the film, but the fact that it's there, it's really, really eerie and and very cool. I think it's one of the first movies as well um, that introduced the idea of the steady cam. Right. Yeah. 
Because you notice that even when it's through the maze with Jack, they're following him through the maze, it's Steadicam. When they're following Danny, particularly when they're following Danny on the tricycle around the Overlook, um, it's so fast. It's someone basically running after Danny with a Steadicam mounted on their body. Yeah. And obviously the Steadicam is set up so that it can take the... the it moves without having to move. So the, act, the, the cameraman can move. Sorry, I'm not talking to you here. I'm, I'm talking to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> so the camera can move on someone's chest, basically, without any signs of it actually moving yeah. in real life it just stays static because they have like little uh, little hydraulics don't they on it that stop it from moving similar to uh, you get the what are those things called that we've uh, used to sell at our place what uh, are they gimbals they got the little gimbals yeah, yeah that are like uh, motor operated and they're this, they're just a new version of what this used to be but this was a rig built for the movie that, uh, uh, that a cameraman could wear yeah, it's... and basically run after danny it's inc- incredible uh, again a, isn't it but truck. i think that that mm. might be why the film in some ways feels as fresh as it does because yeah. it sort of kick-started a lot of these techniques. It's yeah, kind of like, it really is. When you go back and watch a Hitchcock thing, and you can see all of these things that Hitchcock did, that now lots and lots of other films have done since, but he originated those ideas. And this is another one of those films where it's the, the origins of what we see in cinema today happened here. Yeah, it is. And there's so many movies that owe themselves to The Shining. Um, it's just in that. It's in the annals of time and, and, and horror history, isn't it, really? Uh, and I'm really glad, actually, that Brendan chose it because <laughs> we're going to talk about it in a minute. But me and James and Bren literally went away and chose a completely different film, which is rare for us because you kind of we all come from a similar background. Yeah. We've got very similar interests. But all three of us chose a completely different film from the dark corners of the uh, <laughs> Halloween genre. <laughs> um, so, yeah, The Shining. I, um, I've i got a few facts if you want to go through those while we're doing Excellent. it. Excellent. Let's do that. Um, yeah, this was about the Steadicam stuff, which we were talking about a second ago. So apparently the Steadicam operator um, claims it was only 30, but others have claimed it took up to 127 takes of Wendy going up the stairs, swinging the bat at Jack. Um <laughs> Apparently, the scene made it into the Guinness Book of World Records for the most takes of a scene with spoken actors and dialogue. That's good, isn't yeah. it? It's interesting. That's really good. Um, the scene where Jack chops down the bathroom door with the axe uh, took three days to film. Um, apparently, Jack Nicholson was a volunteer fireman and was far too good at chopping the door down. The props department kept having to remake the door with different kinds of wood to make it look like more of a challenge to get through the door. Nicholson chopped around 60 doors down in total. And his here, Johnny, uh, here's Johnny line was actually improvised on the uh, on the day. Wow, yeah, Isn't it? that's good. Um, there's some really honestly, there's so many facts on the web about this film. I can just go on all day. I encourage everyone to have a, to watch this film a and go and look at some uh, some facts. It took six months to compile the right shots of the blood flowing out of the elevator. <laughs> uh, the blood was filmed for numerous hours each day, with the crew having to clean up the area every time between takes. Oh, gosh, yeah. This went on for about six months um, to get the blood to flow in the way that Kubrick wanted it to look. I think it's safe to say that this man was a perfectionist. Definitely. like, uh, And that is a shot that if a filmmaker was doing it today, would, they would probably do it in CGI, wouldn't they? They'd probably not take yeah. the time to yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. I think I think more than that, mate. I, honestly, I think things like even um, a lot of the shots with him coming through the door, they'd have probably done more uh, CGI on that because it's easier than trying to get someone to chop through a door. Yeah. Um, I think they'd have added more more effects to that. I think the overlook itself, even though they shot it up in America in the mountains, I don't think they would have shot a hotel. I think they would have literally just 
um, shot a tiny miniature on a plate and and CGI'd the rest in. Yeah, and it's kind of sad that, isn't it? I think because this this hotel does you know, the hotel itself, the exterior does exist, but the uh, interior was all filmed on set. It was all um, sound stages. But yeah. And it's sad that like we look at this and go, oh my god, look at this sound stage that they built for like the gold room for the ballroom. So you can... Yeah. But that's not like you say nowadays. That would be one bar. With two stools, a background that's blue screened, and it would all be CGI'd in afterwards. And it's a bit like, <sighs> yeah, it's a, yeah. It, I think we are at a point now where people are so used to seeing CGI, films without it seem special, don't they? They seem like someone's yeah, taking time. I, I, I think so. Yeah. I don't know whether that. I mean, it's great that we still. I mean, we still do get films with quite a lot of practical effects, but CGI does take some of some of the cinematic magic out of it because you think, oh, someone did that on a computer. Obviously, it's still a talent, still a skill. Yeah. But you just think, uh, is that is that what I wanted to see? Did I pay my money for <laughs> someone's computer to make me feel like I'm somewhere else, or should the film make me feel like I'm somewhere else? And this film really mm. does that. It makes you feel like you're in. The Overlook Hotel, it makes you feel like you're there. Mm. And it's got, it's one of those films that, even though it's quite a long horror film, uh, as horror films go, the build and the suspense, and like you say, the, the foley and the audio, the, the, the use of that tension, that music, it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds all the way through it. Um, and it, it's amazing. It, it really does. I honestly have enjoyed that. Probably out of the three films we've watched, <laughs> <laughs> probably enjoyed that more than I thought and probably enjoyed it the most. Yeah. Um, legend has it that Kubrick typed up the 500 pages of all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. <laughs> nice. That would be that that would be dedication to the cause, wouldn't it? Nobody has confirmed if this is true because Kubrick never addressed the question before he died. However, uh, he didn't submit the task to the props department, and everyone knows that his colleagues have suggested that it would have been in his nature to do something like this. Brilliant. Ah, oh. oh, so good. I hope he does. Um, I hope I hope that is true. That that has to be true because it, it it screams sort of Kubrick weirdness, doesn't it? To do that, yeah, it's great. This isn't the last bit one I want to give you before we move to the next movie. Yeah. Um, Stephen King didn't like this film. Oh. He said in 1983 uh, he admired Kubrick for a long time, had great expectations of the project, and was deeply disappointed at the end result. Parts of the film are chilling, charged with relentless catastrophic terror, um, but other parts of the movie fell flat. And I'm thinking. Did he see Pet Cemetery? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Because there's a scene in Pet Cemetery where a, a, a fake uh, cat, which is essentially a hand puppet, jumps to a man's face. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> oh, I, I just, oh dear. Yeah, it must be weird to see a book that you've created be- mm. become a film, and yeah. obviously it's so personal, isn't yeah. it? To you? So you're probably not the best person to judge it. I, th- I think obviously that the film stood the test of time, no doubt about it. But yeah, I can imagine if you've just seen it, someone's taken your baby, as it were, and made it their own. Yeah. And then you just think, oh, that wasn't what I imagined. Um, but then well, he's getting a do-over soon, isn't he? They're doing a sequel. Yeah, they're doing. It's a sequel in novel form, which has finally been abdo- uh, uh, adapted into a movie, which is called Doctor Sleep. Yeah, which I think is it based in the Overlook. I've not read the book, so I know very little about this I project. I know nothing I know, about it. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. I know that Ewan McGregor's uh, in it and it's coming out this year, so that'll be interesting. I will go and see it. Um, I love the fact, again, that the fact that Ewan McGregor's in it and it's coming out this year will be interesting. <laughs> yeah. I think Ewan McGregor's had a proper good run of films recently. Yeah. I'm quite impressed with his career. It's, uh, it's taken off again. Some actors kind of go quiet. Like, obviously, in the early noughties with the Star Wars trilogy, mm. he was at the peak of his power, wasn't he, really? Ewan was in everything. Yeah, it was- and then all of a sudden, it's like the last eight years or so, you haven't seen much of him. And now he's like in, he's in uh, about three films next year that are big films. Yeah. Um, and apparently they're doing an Obi-Wan Kenobi film with him as well, which will be interesting, I guess. Excellent. Um, so we need to move yeah. on. <laughs> it's your film next. Film, it's my film. I, uh, I chose a film very close to my own heart, um, something that I've loved ever since I was a child. And it had to be this. It was between this and one other film, and I had to kind of toss it up between the two. Um, it's Ghostbusters, James. Excellent. The most recent uh, Ghostbusters, the one that everyone loves for female empowerment. That Ghostbusters. Ooh, James. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and not Ghostbusters 2 either. Okay. It was, uh, I am going with Ghostbusters. The original Ghostbusters, um, directed by Evan Reitman, written by uh, um, uh, Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd, starring Bill Murray and many others. Um, I think that this is close to a masterpiece of uh, comedy film writing, comedy horror film writing. It's, it's pretty near perfect, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I only chose this because I know this isn't a horror film. Everyone, everyone that I've spoken to about it has gone, yeah, well, it's not a horror film, though, is it? And I'm going, it isn't. But it, ultimately, I can't think of a better time to watch Ghostbusters than on Halloween. No. Because to me, it's one of those films that is... Uh, it has it has the, the paranormal element to it. It has kind of jump scares in it, but it is basically just a funny film um, about defeating a marshmallow man and the end of the world. I, I don't think you could sell it any more than that. I'm in. No. If anyone that hasn't seen Ghostbusters, by the way, don't even listen to this. Po- you need, you shouldn't even be listening to a movie podcast. You should be going out and watching yeah. Ghostbusters as soon as possible. I, I love um, Ghostbusters for the fact that. There are moments in it that could be truly terrifying, like the evil dogs. Yeah. That are horrifying. And then they instantly cut the legs from them and put them in the uh, coat uh, the coat cupboard bit. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks and then, yeah. it, it looks hilarious in that coat cupboard. It's like that's that's brilliant, because you could have been you know, you could have tried to go down the schlocky horror make someone really scared route, but you didn't. You pulled it back and you made a joke out of it that's that actually lands it, you know it's not just a joke for a joke's sake it, it feels mm. you know someone throws their coat on top of one, this demon dog and it's great I think that's my favourite thing about the whole film like you just said I think you hit the nail on the head there is that it all the jokes land in the film yeah. I don't think there's one single joke that and it's one of those films as well the more you watch it go back and watch it again there's always another joke that you've missed and you find funny yeah. Um, like when I was a child, obviously I didn't get a lot of the adult humor because I was a kid. It wasn't really something that I had. I wasn't on that level. Mm. And it's like a line at the in the mayor's office at the end of the film, toward the end of the film, where um, where they talk about the explosion being caused by Dickless, and and then the mayor says, "Is this true?" And then Bill Murray says, "Yes, it's true. This man has no dick." <laughs> what a great line! It- you can't ask for a better line that, that lands as good as when Bill Murray delivers no. that. Like, what a movie it is! It's, oh yeah, it is fantastic, and just the the effects on it for the time as well, brilliant. Yeah, ILM um, produced those effects uh, with the, the sort of the cosmic uh, what are they call proton beams from the proton packs, yes, um, and the Slimer and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
yeah, I think you say there's a certain mixture where it's kind of, it is horrifying when you have this sort of red-eyed demon woman comes through a portal with two dogs that are like those evil demon-looking things that you could ever imagine. But they dress it up in a way that's funny because as soon as the evil spirit arrives and the demon dogs go to her side, um, Bill Murray says, okay, so she's a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Like you say, every single moment in the movie that could potentially be scary is just, is the drops a joke on it. And it's really, really, and it's, ah, it's lovely. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, I can't really say enough about Ghostbusters. No, there's, there's nothing in the film I would change. At all. No, and that's rare, isn't yeah. it, for a movie? That's really, really rare for a film of, the, of the, these days where you... I don't think that you come out of many movies nowadays with that thought of, that's just perfect. It's perfect in every way. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and I was going to talk about some of the... Um, in fact, I haven't even done it, so I'm sorry. I've been lazy on the old facts and the old um, details. So Ghostbusters was released in 84, 1984. Uh, IMDb gave it 7.8 out of 10. Mm, bit low. Yeah, that is a bit low. <laughs> uh, Rotten Tomatoes, James. You ready for this? Yeah. It's 97% audience score. Nice. Nice. I think it would be 100 for me. Uh, I It's in my top, probably my top 10 favourite films. Yeah. I, like you say, really it, even if you're going to make the argument that it's not, a, you know, it's not a horror film, that's fine. It's a brilliant film, and it can it mm. can fit into a lot of different genres. You know, there's action in there, mm-hmm. there's comedy. It's, uh, I, and it's just expertly cast. I know that's a bit daft because they were all basically best mates making a film together. It seems, but I think it really yeah, works. Yeah, but I that. think that I think to its credit that makes it better. Yeah. I think because they all know each other and because they all had such um, a good rapport with each other that the when they're on screen, they're utterly convincing. Like, it's convincing all the way through to the core. Yeah. Um, it's so good as well. Do you know when I, I went to New York in 2000 and, what was it, 2010, 2011, something like yeah. that? Um, and kind of, not even deliberately, went out and found a lot of the places where Ghostbusters were shot. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, and it was uh, that for me was the best of everything. I was I was about eighteen, nineteen when I was there, and I went to the restaurant where Lewis Tolly, um, played by Rick Moranis, gets the dog attacks him outside the restaurant, and everyone just carries on eating. Yeah. And it's in it's in Central Park, and that restaurant does exist, and I've been to it. Ooh, oh, okay, um, that's cool. Yeah, it's really good. It's in the middle of Central Park, and then there's there's the building where the Marshmallow Man um, flattens the church. And then climbs up the side of the tower to get to the Ghostbusters. And that is a building on Central Park West. Uh, it's not as big, obviously, as the building in the movie. Yeah. I think they sort of like, I think it's like a map painting or a model that they've put the top floors on. And they put that like, whatever you would call it, that, that cathedral on the top that then Goza comes out yeah. of. Yeah. Um, but that exists. You can go and see it. It's an apartment building that does exist uh, on the side of Central Park. Um, found the, uh, the, the, the 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 firehouse that exists as well. It's down in Tribeca, oh, Lower Manhattan. Nice. And I think actually me and my friend were walking through, we'd been to Wall Street and we'd walked up through the, the Lower Manhattan area. Yeah. And we just stumbled upon it. And you know when you see it and you go, oh my God, isn't that the, looks just like the uh, the building from Ghostbusters. And you go, oh it is. <laughs> and outside they've got a plaque on the floor like dedicated to Ghostbusters. And then when we were walking past and taking photos of it, a fireman came outside 
and was talking to us and he said do you want to come inside and have a look and I was like absolutely kind of in my head thinking it was going to be the Ghostbusters office it isn't it's just a fire engine station (laughs) Um, (laughs) that guy just wanted to show off his fire engines yeah it was really good but inside they've got the do you know the the logo from the top of the door oh yeah that has the ghost in the in the prohibited sign it's on the wall in their in their little firehouse they've got it they kept it and i said is that the actual sign that they use in the movie he goes yeah it's the actual one they said after they took it down we said can we just keep it and they were like of course you can because you've let us use your firehouse for filming on brilliant and yeah they've got it mount they've got it mounted on their wall inside the uh, inside the fire station so if you go to manhattan and go to the ghostbusters tower thing ask to go in yeah go and have a look at it it's on the wall and you can see the actual uh, sign from the film but yeah love that film so much so good um Got some facts. Good, yeah, I'm ready for some facts. Um, Dan Aykroyd's original treatment for this movie was 40 pages long and was written by himself and uh, his fellow Saturday Night Live alumnus, John Belushi. Ah. Um, Belushi was supposed to play the role of Lewis, the apartment uh, opposite Dana Barrett, opposite uh, Sigourney Weaver. But Belushi died uh, whilst they were writing the final screenplay, so he was replaced by Rick Moranis. So, yeah, really sad, isn't it? That is sad, but um, yeah, Rick did a good job. Well done, Rick. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look here. There's, there's a lot of different... Um, this one. Ghostbusters was set in the future in the original script and focused on a worldwide um, a worldwide group of Ghostbusters, but it was the director, Ivan Reitman, that wanted to concentrate on one group of Ghostbusters working out of New York City in a fire station. So apparently this was going to be a wider thing where you've got ghostbusters who operate all over the world doing the job um but it just they kind of kept it smaller yeah yeah really strange yeah. um what else have we got original title for the movie was the ghost smashers <laughs> <laughs> I, I, i'm glad they uh i'm glad they changed that yeah it's a bit shit isn't it really yeah um shaving foam was used instead of marshmallow for the memorable Stay Puffed Mar- Marshmallow I can't say that. Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. I was going... <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a tough one. It's a tough, tough... Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. There you go. You got it. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, hang on. I've got something else. Making a weird noise now. Can you just pause for a yeah. sec? <laughs> what is this? It sounds like something crashing from the sky. I, I admit, can you hear this? I'm going to open my window. This actually sounds like the Ghostbusters. I can hear it, yeah. Can you hear that, that, that siren noise? Yeah. Honestly, you can leave this in. For a minute, I thought the Ghostbusters were coming to my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been such a weird, weird... Recording session. Oh, I'm sorry. It's all right. I, um, I mean, this podcast might be haunted. Uh, that makes it more authentic, right? <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it, doesn't it? Oh, dear God. Right. Um, I've got... What else have I got on here? I, I have a, a fact. I know it's Go on, you know, a please. bit uncommon for me to throw a fact at you, but um, I, I, rem- I, I remember uh, when learning about Ghostbusters, the film, and I, I was doing lots of reading around the franchise and what what, it, what had happened. The theme tune for the film, mm-hmm. written in a day. 
Really? Yeah. Ray Parker Jr. Yeah. He just turned. That's he just turned up to the studio and did it. Like that was out, gone, done. Oh man, that's a bit like what you hear about. Was it um, Eddie Van Halen who recorded the? Um, I think it's the Billy Jean one. Yeah. Um, and he did that in like a day and then walked out and they never ever did a second take. Like, Can you do a second take? No, no not doing it. doing it. That's done. Um, so funny, so good. Um, what was I going to say? I've got. Um, yeah, the most one of the most interesting things we talk a lot about. Obviously, this is called "Do the Franchise." We're talking about franchise movies. Ghostbusters kind of inadvertently became a franchise, and this was a big thing because it was all to do with the cartoons show. The real Ghostbusters came out about a year later after the success of the movie. Um, so yeah, that was uh, a big, a big a driving force in how how I think Ghostbusters became the cultural phenomenon that it did. They'd sold a lot of toys, a lot of merch through. Um, through the, the cartoon, through the uh, animated series. And then if you look at the uh, sequel, Ghostbusters 2, <clears throat> it's actually written as a, basically a sequel to the real Ghostbusters TV show. Um, sounds really strange, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. If you even look at it, like in certain bits of the uh, Ghostbusters 2, they have the outfits, uh, the jumpsuits that match the ones that they have in the real Ghostbusters, which are different colours. Obviously, in the movie, they just have the grey ones. Ah. But in the Ghostbusters 2, they have different coloured ones. Um, Slimer is not the enemy, as he was in the first Ghostbusters film, but they play him up as an ally to the Ghostbusters who haunts their, their firehouse in the Ghostbusters 2. And that, again, comes from the real Ghostbusters from the cartoon. That's, co- that's cool. <clears throat> I believe it's called the real Ghostbusters. Because mm, the real Ghostbusters, Because yeah. there was another Ghostbusters cartoon, unrelated, so they had, oh, yes, really? they had to differentiate themselves from Ghostbusters, the cartoon, that. by calling themselves the real Ghostbusters. That's so funny. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of weird little things that have that have gone on around the Ghostbusters franchise that mainly due to copyright, basically. So nothing <laughs> nothing to do with horror, <laughs> unless you find like legal proceedings quite scary. Um, yeah, because the uh, going back to the theme tune, apparently Lindsay Buckingham of um, Fleetwood Mac, Mac claims mm. he was approached originally to write the Ghostbusters theme. Oh, wow. Okay, that's interesting. And um, uh, a lawsuit was also uh, put against it because uh, Huey Lewis in the News uh, wrote a song called I Want a New Drug that they claimed the Ghostbusters theme ripped off. So, um, I also found a lovely fact about Joe Rick Moranis' Lewis character. Um the entire party scene where the dog shows up and he's talking to all the guests that come to his party. Apparently, almost all of that sequence that Rick's in is improvised. Oh. So when he's talking about insurance fraud and talking about <laughs> what people are earning, like what their monthly salary is and stuff, which I think is br- apparently like 90% of that is improvised, improvised. stuff. It's not. That's so yeah, cool. It's good, isn't it? So funny. Oh. Definitely. Uh, and oh, I've got one more fact. There's so many facts. Like you say, this is such a dense film with franchises. Um, the proton pack, the terminology proton pack is never used in Ghostbusters 1 and it's only used in the middle of Ghostbusters 2. It's the first time it's actually mentioned as a proton pack. Oh, okay. Um, I think they call it a positron collider and a particle accelerator, but they never, ever call it a proton pack in Ghostbusters. Ah, Clever! Oh, that is uh, stuff like that. I love. I love because it's mad, isn't it? It's like God, honestly, it's what you it's assume so it dense. is all the way through, and then yeah, no, it's it's something yeah. that's come up afterwards. 
Nice. It's so mad. It, honestly, it's one of those films that, it, I, we, I could, again, I'm not going to go on about it, but it is, it's cemented in 80s culture. It was a cultural phenomenon. It is a cult comedy movie classic. And if you go on the internet, every t- I literally have been looking the last couple of days, and I'm even looking through stuff now that I didn't see before. This another fact after another fact after another fact after another fact. It is unbelievable. So I'll give you the one last ridiculous fact before we move on. Yeah. Ron Jeremy, the famous porn star, <laughs> was an extra in the film Ghostbusters before he started a career in pornography. And then at that time, he actually did a film entitled This Ain't Ghostbusters XXX. <laughs> <laughs> And it's the sequence where the Ghostbuster firehouse explodes from the ghosts being released from the, um, uh, what's it called, the trap or whatever. Yeah. Um, and there's a load of people um, stood in front of the Ecto-1 um, ambulance, and Ron Jeremy is one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> He's just to the left of shot. <laughs> That's so weird. <sighs> Honestly, isn't it? It's bonkers, isn't it? That's so, so funny. Yeah. Uh, every time the, the internet for this movie is the, the, probably the most dense facts and again I don't know how many of them are real how many of them are fake I've tried to like look at the ones that have the most credible source to it but the fact that this movie still got that much of a cool interest and they are actually doing I think either a sequel or a, a direct reboot of yeah. it um, next year with Ivan Reitman's son Jason Reitman uh, set to direct it nice uh, it's been shot it's ready apparently it's coming out with uh, a lot of the old cast uh, who are going to be in it apart from Harold Bramus who sadly is not with us anymore yeah I don't know if Bill Murray's going to be in it yeah he's he's always been a holdout <laughs> hasn't he that's why they, they never mm. got to do it while Ramis was alive because Bill Murray from what I understand just said no uh, isn't it it's interesting yeah Ghostbusters that's my pick that's my favourite Halloween film that, gotta be Ghostbusters it, it's an excellent choice and if you haven't watched, honestly just go watch Ghostbusters tonight if you're going to do anything else watch Ghostbusters or watch James's pick. You could you could watch my pick. Now, as we said, the goal behind this episode was to pick our favourite horror was, movie. Yeah. Um, I am a huge fan of Tommy Wiseau's The Room. I think it's a cinematic masterpiece for how that yeah, film can yeah. somehow still be watchable and hold together and just you it, you just laugh your head off all the way through. Um this is the room of horror movies. It really I, is. I I chose Troll 2. Not to be confused with Trolls 2. Troll 2. So uh, talk me through Trolls 2, James. Trolls 2, <laughs> I believe it's a one of the animated <laughs> Disney Pixar type films and there's lots of pink trolls they're the 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 trolls that have long big hair right rainbows so if i if i've got children james what should i be watching should i be watching trolls 2 or troll 2 i think depending on how emotionally scarred you want your kids to be you should (laughs) you should look at it as like an emotionally scarred meter with Trolls Excellent. 2 being on the good end and probably not going to emotionally scar your child. And Brilliant. and Troll 2 probably turning your child off film altogether and they may become some kind of sports star because they never want to watch TV again. <laughs> this is no- well, why, aren't you, why aren't you a sports star, James? <laughs> <laughs> because I love how terrible this film is, Jake. This film is the worst Ooh. film. And I know we normally say... 
five facts for near the end, but I have I have oh, some no, facts. Go. I have some. I want to hear the facts. Incredible facts that will make this film make so much more sense to anybody who's go watched on. it. So, the entire cast went to a casting call for this film, hoping to be extras, <laughs> and ended up what? in lead roles. <laughs> <laughs> So that's why they're all unknown. Yeah, because they never they never acted. They just went in for a casting call. Yep, they just went in for a casting call. That's really odd. It, it's it's awful. It's <laughs> how strange is that? They and in two thousand and seven, during a special yeah. screening of the film in New York, uh, the cast members said that during production they had serious doubts about how the movie would work. The entire crew spoke only Italian. Except for the costume designer who translated the director's directions to the actors. Yeah, isn't that weird? Because I looked, the, the director is a, is a uh, Italian director uh, called uh, Claudio uh, Fragasco. Yeah. So, but he used a pseudonym, um, J- Drake Floyd, when he directed it, said to pretend it was an American B movie. Yeah. Now, I. <laughs> so weird. I don't know how true this fact is, because um, um, the budget for this film, Jake. <laughs> on IMDb, the budget is listed as ten dollars. <laughs> no brackets estimated. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I mean, oh. those, those are some facts to get us started. So oh, we're all on board uh, as to what sort of film we're getting ourselves into. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through the fact I'm gonna go through the intro yeah. bit that I normally th- we've done this podcast completely back to front today, uh, <laughs> showing absolutely no signs of professionalism. Um, so IMDb gave this film two point nine out of ten. Generous, <laughs> generous. It was generous. Rotten Tomatoes gave this film six <laughs> percent. I don't even know where to start. Okay, so should we should we start with film, the basic premise because the film is called Troll Two. It is. The film yeah. is actually... At no point does anybody refer to the trolls as trolls. No. So the original troll movie um, is completely unrelated to this film. It had been a minor success. It was it was one of those B movies that was just about good enough to be watchable. So w- when the production house released this film they called it troll 2 because they thought well people quite liked troll um shall we give them a sequel and what they gave them was a film about goblins Mm -hmm. not trolls goblins um and they these these goblins have a a very special requirement uh they they eat humans but they are vegetarian so so the goblins have concocted some sort of magic goo that turns a human into plant form so they can, so eat, they them. can eat them. It, yeah, it's the equivalent of, of putting a human through a blender and then adding loads of coriander and cabbage and lettuce and then putting it through a filter to extract all the meat and blood from the human... And then feeding it to a guinea pig. <laughs> it's so bizarre, isn't it? And the oh, the couldn't get my head around. Honestly, couldn't get my head no, around. No, I, I, the, the, the plot for this film is fairly weak. We, yeah, I think that's safe. I, to I say. don't think there is much of a plot. Uh, there are things that happen in the film, and and some of them make absolutely no sense. There is the campiest witch performance you've ever seen. No, I'm going to stop you there. Yeah. Love that. 
she was arguably, Credence was arguably the best character in the movie because she's the only person in the movie who's playing a character. Yes, yes. Um, so the, the, we, we have a witch who seems to be looking after the goblins because either, either she calls them her children. Uh, yeah, she men, does, many yeah. of, that's not really that's not really linked though no, is it, at any point. No, many of the goblins when because the other thing is the goblins can change into human form. Mm. That's the, and yeah, and, and, and James, let, let, let's just stop you. They're called fucking goblins. Yeah, <laughs> why? Are they, why is it not called Goblin Two? <laughs> well, they didn't do a Goblin <sighs> One, did they? Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I've got so many problems with that premise. It, it's it's awful, isn't it? Um, so we. Um, we start off the film with uh, a, a potentially imaginary granddad telling his grandson yeah. stories about yeah. goblins. Um, yeah. The family are about to go away on a vacation, uh, which turns out to be a house exchange with some other people who live in Nilbog. Is it called? Yeah, Nilbog is the town. Nilbog is the town. Now, like, for, which spells goblin the other way yes, around? It, it's, Sorry, spoilers. Spoilers. It's goblin backwards. Um, <laughs> Apparently, one of the other trivia facts on IMDb is when the the kid realizes that it's Goblin backwards. He calls. No, I know what you're gonna. I know what you're gonna he calls say. it Nilblog. <laughs> he gets it wrong. He calls it Nilblog. No, I didn't know that. The bit that I was gonna say to you is that when they see the town and he says it's Goblin back to front, yeah. that's the name of the town. They show an image of the sign, the but it's the wrong way round. <laughs> they've obviously written it the because, right way round. Because they've written it the right way round and they put it in a mirror, it actually reversed it. So what they did on the film is they fucked it up. And, it, and it, when he says, it says Goblin, it doesn't. It says Nilblog. <laughs> oh, so bad. So, so good. So that, um, obviously we're meant to root for the family. It's it's right. the you know yes. it's the parents and two kids going away and mm-hmm. they want us to root for this family because they're the main protagonists, but it's a horror film and they need to kill people. So yeah. what they do is they bring on an equal number of random lads, one <laughs> one of which is hoping to get with the girl of the family, even though he yeah. looks about twice her age. And but also, none of these boys can act. By the way, uh, they read the lines in. Do you know? And it's what's really sad about this is you watch films like The Goonies, Stand by Me, and you watch things like ET. Yeah. Um, they have young adolescent or child actors in them, all of which can hold their own on screen. Um, these four boys can't even hold a conversation about what seems to be general boy stuff, yeah. <laughs> which you can just do. You could just say to them, talk about boy stuff and record them. Yeah. But when you give them a script to talk about boy stuff, they fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they mess it up. The girl also, not the best, sadly, uh, when she's trying, no, to, she's uh, trying to get this guy to choose between her and his mates. <laughs> get, didn't get that either, it's to be honest. It's funny that you've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice. And halfway through the film, she, they, uh, she approaches them at their trailer that they've taken and she just hits yeah. him. Full on punches him. He just punches him for no reason. There's a mo- there's a moment and there's a couple of moments I'm going to go to really quick. <clears throat> One of them was the bit where the the female girl, the the, the daughter, the character, female girl, that one, the female girl, the female girl, <laughs> when she is doing some sort of eighties pop dance in the mirror, yes, and then abruptly stops, <laughs> and then no, and then walks out. Yeah. 
So it's that bit like in all those horror movies that we've watched as children. Everyone's seen this bit in a movie where someone is dancing or doing something in the mirror. They bend down or they open the mirror and close it. And then there's something behind them. Hey, presto, they turn around. It's gone. In this movie, that doesn't happen. No. So there's a moment where there's a girl in the bathroom and you think, oh, I know what's going to happen here. And nothing happens. It circumvented your expectations, Jake. It, maybe, I've, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're fucking geniuses this, who made this film. This, maybe they're pushing the boat and pushing the envelope <laughs> on horror. Unfortunately, when you turn a teenager into a tree and then he, you try to get his friend to pick him up and carry him out of a, of a church, you've lost it for me, that was, that was the most epic escape scene I've ever seen where he's dragging a plant pot really slowly <laughs> Out of the church, and then the, the witch is just behind him watching what's going on. Oh, I think this film, and I think I texted you at the point where I was lost, was the moment where the witch character gets sexy. Yeah. Um, so she loses her scary eyes, scary teeth, becomes a sexy uh, mum character, takes a corn on a cob. Which... <laughs> she dances with it down the down the path is towards it, the. Is it... Is it a phallic thing? Is it, is it supposed to be sexual? I couldn't get it, James. <laughs> I, I, I was so confused. I think... Then she takes the cob into the into the trailer with the young man. Now, I'm going to stop a second. This young man is about 15 at best. Isn't yeah. he? Surely. Um, and she is probably about 35. So there's a moment where the 80s music starts and it's like a boom, 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 boom. And you're like, I said to you, I was like, oh my God, are they watch- is it a porno? <laughs> is it going to be and you it genuinely becomes sexual she puts the corn in his mouth and he says I prefer popcorn <laughs> and someone just throws a bucket of popcorn on them <laughs> anyone that's listening to this without context honestly honestly go and watch Troll 2 because I guess it was a waste of an hour and a half um, it's fine the dog had been for a walk I'd fed the dog I'd had breakfast at this point I was fine, yeah. James. I had a brew. I sat down on my sofa with my dog. We watched it together. At one point during the film, she yawned, got up and walked out. <laughs> That's probably the best review this film will ever get. Um, the, yeah, the, your dog will walk out. The, the, it's not, not for dogs. Uh, probably not for human consumption either, really. Um, my God, it's... My favourite bit <sighs> was towards the end of the film. Uh, ideally... That is the best bit of the film because it's nearly over. Um, but yeah. in this in this particular bit, the uh, the potentially fictitious granddad and his grandson yeah. have found out yeah. where the witch is keeping her, the source of the uh, goblin power. And mm-hmm. the source of the goblin power has an amazing name. It is the Stonehenge Magic Stone. <laughs> the, the stone of what? It's Sorry? the Stonehenge Magic Stone. You're breaking up a little bit oh. there. Um, Stonehenge Magic Stone. Yeah. It's it's strange because she claims to be a druid from Stonehenge, yeah, which... living in America, in a film directed by an Italian that was released in Greece. <laughs> it's... <laughs> If you try and think too hard about this film, it's like when you watch when you're trying to do those magic eye things and you have to go cross-eyed in order to see the yeah. 3D picture. But if you think too hard about yeah. it, you just see a mess. I was really hoping that this film had one of those like undertones of the films like Exorcist and, and, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, the, 
what are those films? You know, Alien is about um, body horror. It's about the birth. It's the birth and a man giving birth to the creature. Yeah. Um, none no. of that. The only thing I can find is that it may have been anti-vegetarian slander film. Yes, it's like those vegetarians don't trust them. They they turn into small children who wear papier-mâché masks <laughs> and then throw wooden spears at random teenagers in the woods. I can't even get over this, this movie. This, uh, I think it's just yeah, go it's on. just fantastic wall-to-wall hilarity. It's. It doesn't even realise it's not good. That's the best thing about it. It thinks it's being a good film. <laughs> the film the film that... Al- There's a few films. We're going to do the honourable mentions in a moment. A film that almost made it into this list, for me, was going to be Wicker Man. And what a contrast to Troll 2 it would have been. <laughs> because Wicker Man is about literal people in papier-mâché hats yeah. running around an island who then kill a man uh, and sacrifice him to the gods. Troll 2 is like... Where is it coming from? Are they supernatural? Are they villagers? Is it a township thing? Um, it seems to be set in England, but it's in America. So they talk about an, a curse of this English goblin yeah. thing, but they're in a somewhere in America. They're in aren't America, they, I think. But this is this shows the the, the massive misunderstanding that the, the filmmakers have because they say yeah, the witch claims to be from Stonehenge, as if yeah. it's a place, not a monument. <laughs> She says I'm from Stonehenge, you know, the village of Stonehenge, rather than like yeah, Stonehenge is a which, monument. Which, yeah, a Stonehenge is just outside of um, uh, what you call it, isn't it? What's it called? Um, oh, I've forgotten now. It's down, it's uh, Wiltshire, isn't it? It's down in Wiltshire. Yeah. Uh, I've been past it a few times on the way down to uh, Exeter. But yeah, no, it is. Um, it's one of those films that really does miss the yeah. mark. Yeah, they they set fire to a goblin, which is mildly entertaining. <laughs> That was good. Enjoyed that. And bit. then that's followed up by <laughs> the goblins trying to be the most threatening they can. They've surrounded the family in a house, and this, yeah. and the goblin that's pretending to be a sheriff throws a bag of sandwiches at the house and tells them to eat up, or they'll make it more difficult for them. Yeah, I didn't get that. So weren't they trying to give them vegetable green food that was going to make them? Yeah, they. Turn into vegetable soup. Yeah, the, the green goo is in everything the, this village makes. So it's in cakes. It was in the sandwiches. So effectively, they were just asking the family right. to eat that okay. and become and then plants. turn into things. Yeah. yeah. Um. The the family survive all of this. Um. And the boyfriend has a, a change of heart and leaves his mates to die. Was, yeah. Um. <laughs> which I don't know what sort of moral standpoint that is, but he leaves his mates to die. Um. And then sorry, and go then, on. And then yeah. they they get home. And they just look tired. They don't look scared or worried that they've found out goblins are real. They just look like no. they've had a long drive home and they yeah. they've had enough. Um, yeah, they went to the they went to the drive through, but it was closed. Yeah, they just they're just like, oh, I've had enough now. Uh, I think I'll go and have a shower. Uh, you think what? What you've just you've you've survived goblins. You've survived a <laughs> goblin kingdom. And you may have it's killed gonna a bunch be a, of them. It's going to be a tagline for this episode. <laughs> Brendan, it's got to be. <laughs> they survived goblins. <laughs> oh, dear. So I, I... It was honestly the biggest pile of shit I've ever watched in my entire life. I, but I watched it. And I watched it to the end, James, when what happens at the end, I can only describe as a naked mannequin of a lady covered in green goo yeah. is being devoured by a group of goblins. No, no, wait, wait, wait. 
let's be accurate here, Jake. Not being devoured because they don't have the special effects budget to show that. What they do show is a bunch of children in papier-mâché masks again, stroking <laughs> some goo. <laughs> That's all that happens, stroking some goo. And then we get a repeat shot of the probably the creepiest shot in the film, where you see someone's wearing the papier-mâché mask. It's just a really close-up on the mouth. And you just see someone's tongue running along the papier-mâché teeth inside this mask. <laughs> and it's just... that is Oh, it's creepy as hell, but it's hilarious as well. So we reviewed a classic in The Shining. Yeah. We reviewed a cult classic in The Ghostbusters. Yeah. And we have looked at Troll 2. <laughs> And now I'm hoping more and more people will see. Now, the uh, Troll 2 came to my attention through um, Mm. a particular meme. And you know the bit where um, the guy has just seen the girl he's just met be eaten. Mm -hmm. And he says, now they're going to eat me too. And there's a really long, oh my God, that bit. Yeah. That bit became a YouTube meme. And the... um, where is it now? The the oh my god bit has been watched something like five point seven million times. Oh, wow. So it's it's a really it's probably been watched more than the actual film. That's crazy. So yeah, it it's uh, oh the film was shot in three weeks. By the way, I don't know if you could tell. That's quite impressive. I don't know if you could tell. <laughs> no, that is quite. I actually will give it that. That is impressive. And, and the actors were only given their script on a scene by scene basis. That can tell them. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just over 5.9 million times as of February 2017. Jeez. So that, that, it's gone up since then, I'm sure. But wow. Yeah, hey, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, I think Troll 2 is one of those films that will probably stay with me for as long as I can live, but not for the reasons that you hoped. <laughs> now, I did lend you a DVD yeah. version of Troll 2. That has Troll One in it. Are you are you tempted to watch Troll One? <laughs> uh, I'll be honest with you, no. <laughs> oh God! Right, I'm gonna have to reel through some of these honourable mentions yeah. that were given to me by friends, family members, colleagues, etc. Um, obviously, anybody that wants to put their their mention through, please get in touch with the podcast on uh, Twitter at Do the Franchise or send us a a comment or comment through iTunes uh, through. Um, Spotify anything like that, we can still do them through there. Um, so one that I was gonna choose, and I'd I'd honestly tossed up about this for ages, and somebody actually said it was someone at work said to me, got to be this mm. is the thing. Yeah, uh, John Carpenter's the thing. It's got it's up there as one of those utter horror classics. Um, this you know body deformities and alien creatures coming out and and running across a a uh, it's like an Arctic tundra, yeah. isn't it? Um, what a film it really is. It really is. It's so scary. I remember watching it for the first time as a kid. And even now, um, as an adult, it still gives me kind of chills. I think because it's so ominous and because the people that are in the movie are so far away from from uh, civilization, yeah. it gives it that sense of impending doom, dread and hopelessness where they just don't know. They don't know who's the thing because it can shape shift. They don't know who could be the creature and they all start turning on each other Um it's it's horror perfection. The thing. It, it it is brilliant, and and when you think about it, you know you've got shape shifting, uh, you know body horror. I I mean it's very mm. similar to Troll Two. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> 
If anything, Troll 2 ripped yeah. it off. <laughs> um, I was going to put out there Wicker Man, um, again, because I think it's a, a, a classic um, with Christopher yeah. Lee. Um, my missus didn't enjoy Wicker Man. She thought it was a bit too slow, but I like the Wicker Man because of how how old and dark it is. Yeah. And because it starts out, it's more of a thriller than a horror film, I guess. But it's a thriller that has a really dark twist and turn to it. I probably um, avoid the Nicolas mm-hmm. Cage version, though. The bees! <laughs> I love my eyes! <laughs> it's not the one where um, Nicolas Cage literally goes in and just punches a woman in the face. Yes. Oh, crazy, crazy Nicholas Cage. No, I'm going to take that back. Go and watch the Nick Cage version. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Jesus. Uh, the Exorcist is on this list. Uh, many people chose The Exorcist. Uh, again, it's just a classic. Yeah. Um, the first Saw film is high on the list. Apparently. Okay. Saw. Yeah. People really like that. Yeah, um, the Fly yeah. is on that list. Um, Friday the 13th The Saga with Jason as well as the Nightmare on Elm Street series I think again they got run into the ground but the first one's really yeah. good um, Alien the original Alien's on that list which again I would put more of a sci-fi film um, it's got horror elements but it has yeah. yeah it has and it's that again it's that um, that body horror stuff mm. but I think it's made it into it's made it into that category of like <clears throat> horror terror um in space, no one can hear you scream. Things that people really like. Yeah. Hocus Pocus is on that list. Uh, I thought it was really good. People yeah. have said that. I think my wife is an advocate for that one. Okay. Uh, as a film that she would watch at Halloween, Hocus Pocus. I can see that. And that's become a bit of a classic yeah. now as well. Um, Scream is on that list. Yeah. Slasher flick. Definitely good for Halloween. Um, probably, um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show is on the list. Okay. I can get, can about get that? involved with that. Costumes. Good. Dawn of the Dead, Zombieland, Psycho, also on that list. This is um, a good list. Honorable mentions. It's yeah. good, isn't it? For it's, it's the best sort of Halloween films to watch. Um, someone put Casper, which I thought was really weak. Yeah. <laughs> now I love Casper, but I don't think it would be an ideal. Is it a Halloween film? I guess it's got it's ghosts. About in ghosts. It. I mean, you were allowed to choose Ghostbusters, Jake. So I think we can allow Casper. Casper's on the list. <laughs> Have you you wanted to add magic with Anthony Hopkins? Yeah. Um, I like that. Anything else you want to put on that list? Uh, we, we've covered quite a lot of them there, haven't we? Um, I, I think I, I like I like magic because it's really early Anthony Hopkins, and it's, it's good to see him um, yeah. do do that. Uh, not technically a horror film necessarily, but very scary. Equus. It's very creepy. Equus yeah. is also, I I think mainly because Equus taps into my admiration of that sort of type of Welsh actor. You've got Anthony Hopkins, you've got mm-hmm. Richard Burton, kind of similar yeah. timbres and skills at acting and, yeah. and they're both kind of creepy films, not necessarily horror films, but I do tend to watch them yeah. at Halloween uh, just because they are a little creepy. Yeah. I think that uh, Silence of the Lambs would be one of those ones that I would put on that list as well, but um, I think a big thing with that is it's more of a it's more of a thriller. Yeah. Um, and like you, you were saying about Zodiac earlier, those are the films that really stick with you as being quite scary because they are based on real things and because they are um, wired into this yeah um, this this sort of psyche of these American serial killers. But I guess they can't really be horror films. But what they are is at the core of them really scary films to watch, and they're really unnerving. Yeah. I think um... uh, Beetlejuice is on the list. Sorry, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Uh, on that yeah. line, again, if we're if we're allowing those sort of psychological horror films, uh, a film called yeah. The Hole. I don't know if you 
I never oh, saw it. Kira okay. Knightley was in it. No, I haven't seen and that. And it's about a bunch of kids that goof off a school trip and they find a bunker. Oh, no, I have yeah. seen this. This was like 2003 time. Yeah. What is it? Like that's like that era. Early 2000s right? definitely. That that yeah. film when it when I saw it freaked me out because it it again, yeah. it could happen. It was real. It was uh, yeah, a little unnerving. And basically, these kids go in, and it's kind of like a Lord of the Flies situation. They turn on each other. Um, so funny. Uh, Two thousand and one. It was. I've just got the details up. I have. I saw that. My uh, stepsister had that on VHS when we were kids, and I remember watching it. There you go. Um, that that I really. In- God, yeah, that's taken yeah. me back. I've completely forgotten about that. You, movie. You, everyone who sort of remembers this film is is, is probably going to go and watch. Uh, I think I watched it at the cinema when it came out. And um, oh, okay. it was a yeah. choice between that and it was a Disney film about a llama. <laughs> Is that the Emperor's New Group? That's the one. <laughs> so, That's a good film. So it was a, it, we, our group of people split between these two movies in the cinema. And I Jesus. I went to see The Hole. Because <laughs I didn't know anything about The Hole, but I knew I probably wasn't going to be that interested in a llama. So, <laughs> That's great. I've now seen since seen The great. Emperor's New Groove, and it is a good film, and I, I feel sorry that I didn't go and see it at the time, but I... Yeah, that's who you yeah, should be. I did, I did see The <clears> Hole, <throat> and that, that sort of become... It's kind of one of those cult films, in a way. It didn't do too well, I don't think, when it was out, but... Yeah. Ah. Yeah. <sighs> Well, I think that's uh, that's Halloween then, James, that's right? That's Halloween. Uh, I hope if you are listening on Halloween, you have at least opened the door to some trick-or-treaters because, um, you know, it's always yeah. the nice thing to do. Don't do what I do, which is hide in my loft and pretend not to be in. <laughs> yeah. You're not a people. A lot of people do that, don't <laughs> yeah. they? Turn off all the lights, um, put a film on as soon as they hear a knock on the door, pause the film... Yeah. Um, and then just stay still. I remember going to a house when I was a kid and knocking on the door and seeing the people in the front room and they all just stayed perfectly still. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a little bit like that bit in Jurassic Park where they're like, you can't see us if we don't move. And I'm looking through the window, this sort of eight-year-old me going, I can see yeah, you. I can see it. Just give me some sweets. It's fine. That's what's the sweets. I'll, I'll, I'll get some sweets and I'll go. Um, so yeah, that that's something else I'd like you to tell us. Obviously, tell us your favourite film, but tell us your favourite Halloween tradition. What do you do on Halloween? Do you avoid people? Yeah. Do you do you go out trick or treating? Uh, do you get drunk and end up you know needing help home? What do you need? What do you that's, do? That's normally my. That's normally my my yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> No, I do. I, I tend to. Do you know what? I, I really am a big fan of bonfire night. Um, so what I, I'm not going to do a bonfire night special, but I do like to um, do something on bonfire night. Whether that's sort of going out to a bonfire or a firework display or something like that. There's a lot of them going on in Sheffield, so I really get try and get involved with as many of those as possible. And what I find is that they all kind of happen around the Halloween weekend. Yeah. So normally, unless I'm having some sort of get together or going to a Halloween theme party, I'll just ditch that and go to bonfire night instead. How about you? Yeah, I, I'm I'm sort of like a, a stain. I do like Bonfire Night, like you say. The thing I like about Bonfire Night is you don't have to do much because most of the celebrating that happens on Bonfire Night happens in the sky. So yeah, you just I could just watch it out the window. I've got a great view because um, for those that don't know, Sheffield's kind of like a valley. So mm-hmm. and I'm on one of the hills of the valley. So I can just look out my window and I can see everything across that valley going off. It's brilliant. That's amazing. So yeah, yeah. I love that. I, I, I do like Halloween. It's fun. Um, I've def- I, I definitely used to uh, at uni and stuff enjoy it when people would just like put create basically Dexter 
style torture rooms in their house because they put bin liners over everything and make it look really spooky. That, I used to love that because, you know, um, that that was... It was... Sounds like you went to some really sinister parties at uni. I did. And I survived. I survived. Yeah. But yeah, I, um, they were good times. I don't, I'm trying to think if I've been to a really good Halloween party. Uh, I've done a few. Um, I once went to a Halloween... It was more like a Halloween bonfire joint party and we were out in Sheffield. Yeah. Everyone was dressed up, which was great, and we were all getting really drunk. And then I realised on the way home I didn't have any booze in, and we are having a few people around. Some people wanted to get some wine and some whiskey and stuff, so I said, well, go to the shops on the way. Not realising, of course, forgetting that I'm in a Hannibal Lecter-style straitjacket covered in blood with a hockey mask type Hannibal Lecter muzzle on. Brilliant. And I just walked around uh, co-op. Nice. (laughs) I love that. It was really good, actually. Yeah. Yeah, we. I think that's the nice thing about Halloween. Everyone just lets themselves go a little bit crazy, just yeah, enough, just great. enough to enjoy themselves. It's good. So that that's one of the reasons I've really enjoyed doing something like this special because it does let you yeah. sort of reminisce about films that are very unique to a particular time of year. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those times of year that I know in the states they make a really big deal of it. Um, over here in England, it's one of those things where it's sort of. It's more of a niche. It's more of if you've got children, you'll do yeah. it. Um, and depends. You've got a lot of people in England that have got a bit of a stick up their arse about Halloween. They don't do anything. It's not celebrated as like a public holiday, is it? In the same way you'd get in, in America where like all the kids go out on the streets. Yeah. And it's like the, that scene in E.T. where they all go out and they're all walking across the across all the uh, California streets. We don't have that. No. But you do get little kids with their mums and dads walking up and down the streets with little weird costumes on. I remember one year, um, was it now? I think it was Elsa from Frozen. Ah. So I must have had 50 Elsas um, in different shapes and forms <laughs> approach my back door for uh, sweets and stuff, for the front door. And me and Natalie just throwing stuff out to them. And, <laughs> well, from the, um, and then, from the living room window, going, go away! No, no, we're from the door. And then we had we had some... Uh, and then I had one child with mum yeah. um, show up, and she was dressed as Harley Quinn from um, the Batman... Uh, what's he called? Suicide oh, Squad. Okay. So I'm thinking, that's a bit much. Yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> she was about ten. I, yeah, not sure how I feel about that. That's, that's weird. That's no, weird. It's weird, isn't um, it? Yeah. So all I'm going to say is, if you're going to go out Halloween, be safe. Um, um, take your mum and dad with you if, you if you're not safe but don't dress as Harlequin because it's not no, right don't do that uh, also don't dress as Elsa because Elsa's not really Halloween she's just from a Disney film um, and uh, yeah uh, try and get as much uh, sweets out of, as many sweets out of people as you, as you yeah. can oh don't egg um, my house don't egg James's house. Uh, I will be giving his address out on the Twitter <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure everyone can avoid his house. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's it for the Halloween special. I, I like this. It's good. Yeah, isn't this it? is fun. I'm gonna do the. We're gonna start work on a Christmas special, and we are gonna resume the Fast and Furious films before Christmas. Um, hoping we can do something to do with the new Star Wars film that's coming out uh, in December. So we'll see about that. Yeah, I'm not really got. No, that, but I think that we've both seen the new trailer, so we are aware of its impact on society. Yes. We will be going to see that film, no doubt, and uh, we will be reviewing the Star Wars saga um, probably when it's finished. Sounds good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's it, that's James. It. Anything else you want to add? No, no. As I say, just messages. Tell us things. We like to hear things. Yeah. Tell us Halloween things. What are you watching? Where are you going? Right. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Bye. Bye.
Bye.